If you're already at your seats, open your Bibles to Romans chapter 2. Romans 2. Romans 2. All right. We are continuing our series, our fall series on the goodness of God. Everyone say goodness. The goodness of God, right? And for many of us, wow, fall has absolutely been a life changer, transformation, as we have understood biblically that God's goodness really permeates all that He is and all that He does and all that He desires for us. And for many of you, as you have taken the time to to say, God is good and all the time, right? As, as for many of you, that's transition. Take this the right way from cliche to truth. It, it, it's moved from cliche to belief, conviction. Many of you, as you have really taken it to heart, when you are facing trials, you're stopping and you're saying, wait, but God is good all the time. Right? And, and as you've been seeking God's will for you, you're like, wait, but God is good. He wants my good. And as you've been questioning and things have happened in your life, you're like, what, but wait, God works all things for my good. Right? And so in a, in a very powerful, profound way, God's goodness for many of you have been like, freedom! Because many of us have carried around a false picture, inaccurate, incomplete picture of God is angry, as wrathful as the principal in the sky who's just going to call you. You're going to get the call slip. Remember? Remember those days? High school, junior high? Call slip. Oh, what do I do now? Right, right, Pat? You remember those days? <laughs> Pag <Pagnus> that. <laughs> oh, Right? And, and so many of us may carry that over, you know, the, the God with lightning bolts and the, you know, the angry, wrathful God. And, and you, we carry this, this image wherever we picked it up, and we're kind of scared. We, we believe Jesus. We believe we're going to heaven. You know, that's not the issue. We just live our Christian life trying not to mess up. And then if we do mess up, then we feel like we've got to work really hard to appease Him so He's not so mad. And if we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing, then we don't even want to go talk to Him in prayer because Dad's mad. You remember those days? You're at home? You ask Him. No, you ask Him. He's not in a good mood. You ask Him. No, you ask Him. I don't want to ask Him. He might bite my head off. Huh? You carry that picture of God, you're going to, I'm going to wake up at 5 a.m. and go have a quiet time. Not with a moody dad, you're not. So, so all of these pictures of God, we've been, as we've been understanding the goodness of God, many of us have been challenged with, what is your picture of God? What, what really, if, even if I say the word God right now, what comes to mind? Uh, see, we still have over here. And she leads worship. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, it, think about it. It, it, is, it is one of those things that, you know, we, we're, we're very used to, to the right answer. The question is, do you believe what you say you believe? 
has it really sunk down from here to here? And how, would, how do you know that that's happening? By how you live here, your life. So we're talking about the goodness of God. What does that mean? And if you haven't had a chance to join us in your notes there, look at, look at some of the things that we've covered. It says, how does God's goodness impact my life? Our priorities, our prayer, our perseverance, our passion for the giver and not just the gifts. Right? When you understand God's goodness, here's the radical thing. You love Him because it's Him. See, sometimes we, even in our Christianity, we come to church, we give, we serve, because deep down, we want something. And so if we're not careful, our Christianity becomes sort of contractual. And we're not loving God for God. We're loving God for what he think, we think He's going to give us if we do all the right stuff. And so if we understand the goodness of God, we're free to love God. Right? And this last one, we... Where the goodness of God impacts me by I put God's good above my personal preferences. We looked in Proverbs. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is death. So we said, okay, if God is good and all the time, what happens when what you think is good doesn't line up with His good? Who wins? Who wins, right? And, and we went all the way back to the garden. And God said, hey, Adam and Eve, I'm putting you in the goodest place, right? And I want you, you can eat everything except the one thing because that's really what's good for you. And Eve basically said, no, God, I know what's good for me. Thanks, but no thanks. I know what's good for me. And how many of us are struggle? in our faith, in our walk with Jesus, is really a struggle of who knows what's really good. And do we have faith, do we have faith to trust and act upon what God reveals to be good? Even when we don't get it, even when we may not necessarily like it at that moment. So who really knows what's good for you? What's really good for me, right? God. Because He is good. He is the essence of good, right? We talked about that. Oftentimes we think of good in terms of behavior and, and, and all of that. When it says God is good, the Lord is good, it means He is the essence of good. The essence of good. Not just that He does good things. Psalm 119 says, Lord, You are good and You do good. So any good that God does comes out of His essence, His being. He is the essence of good. Okay? we got, we got to lock that in. You have to lock that in. Because you and I are confronted daily with decisions that really come down to, well, this is what He has revealed to be His good will in the good book. Do I believe it? And will I yield to it? Trusting that it is for my ultimate good. Woo. You see, the challenge for many of us as Christians isn't necessarily those really bad, gross sins on the, on the naughty list. For many of us, our struggle in maturing as believers is 
my good versus his good. And who wins? Who wins? Many of us get stuck because this is, this is what happens. You, you may come to Christ and, and, and you, you, you repent. And we're going to talk about that. And you put your faith in Jesus. And He transforms you. How many of you here could give testimony to many of the things you no longer do? And many of the things you don't, want, you don't want to do, right? And so you come to faith in Christ and maybe for a period of time, radical transformation, da-da-da-da-da, you know you're new, right? And then you get to right about here. And you're good. You, you, you now define, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. And if anyone calls you on it, ah, I used to be an alcoholic. Ah, I used to do drugs. Ah, I used to, I used to, I used to. But now I'm, I'm good. So we, 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 we settle at a certain level of goodness. And then people in the church leave us alone, pretty much. Because we're good, doing good things. And so it's kind of cool, right? I got to do just enough, and then people get off my back. Now we just go to church, and we're just good, moral people. Until we read this. Then we're like, oh, really? In a good way. And, 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 and then the struggle, like I said, it's not that we're, we're being necessarily called back to all these wicked temptations. He's like, hey, you, Mr. Good, here's where I want to take you. Here's where I want you. It's lifelong. It's called sanctification. It's being conformed to the image of Christ. It's be holy as I am holy. Not be good. Right? And, 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 and we have to really challenge ourselves. This is why something like this, you just layer and layer. Because you ask yourself one question. In your, what is your goal as a believer? To be good or to be Christ-like? Because if your real goal is just to be good, most of you have arrived. Pat? You know what I mean? But, but most, most... You know I love you, right? Right? Depends what day of the week, right? If our goal is to be good, moral Christian, we're kind of there. So we push the button to cruise control and we just wait to get to heaven. We're just cruising. Because wasn't that what it was supposed to be? Come to Jesus, get rid of the big stuff, cruise control, and be good. In God's goodness, He says He wants to conform all of us to the image of Christ. He wants us to be holy. He wants us to be Christ-like. He, that's His ultimate good. And the, the challenge for us, who have been in the church for any length of time, is to continue to hold our lives like this. And to walk by faith in the power of the Holy Spirit, believing that His ultimate good is for our ultimate good. Amen? Which means, we let Him move the furniture. Which means, oh, okay, okay. But Lord, I had my, I had, I had my week all planned out. But Lord, we just kind of settled into our routine. We kind of like what we have going. And so the challenge many times is trusting and submitting to God's ultimate good when it conflicts with what we have defined as good. 
Ooh. And we're going to look at, okay, so how, how, how can we, if, if, you, if you've already, if you're sitting here like, oh man, that might be me. How do you, how do you break free of that? How do you break, break free of getting stuck? And we're going to look at that because it, it's, a, it's, a very, it's a very powerful biblical truth. It's a powerful word that we began to look at last week. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for your goodness. And thank you, you say in Hebrews, that you discipline us for our good. In fact, the, the role of the Holy Spirit in a very loving, powerful way is to bring conviction. Not to heap guilt, not to heap condemnation, but to keep us moving forward in our sanctification process. So Lord, as we continue to understand Your goodness in very practical, rubber-meets-the-road ways, would You please give us ears to hear and hearts that are receptive to You and what You want to speak to us individually even when it's uncomfortable. Even when it conflicts with what we think is good. So Lord, we, we love You. We love Your Word. And uh, ask You now to speak to us. In Jesus' name, Amen. Romans chapter 2. Paul is speaking primarily to a Jews, Jewish audience here. In Romans 1, he said, Hey, you know all those pagan Gentiles who want nothing to do with, with God? This is how they live. Right? And, and he says in chapter 2, he switches, and now he begins to speak to a Jewish, primarily a Jewish audience, who go to synagogue regularly and would be considered good, moral people in their community. Right? So Romans 2, uh, starting in verse 1. You therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. Right? For whatever point you judge the other, you are condemning yourself, because you who pass judgment do the same thing. So Paul is calling out the good moral people who would say, hey, yeah, yeah, all those sinners over there, all those, yeah, you tell them, Paul, wrath of God, boom, boom, you just lay it on them, Paul. And he says, hey, um, by the way, you do the same thing. Don't be so quick to point fingers. Okay? And he says, now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere man, pass judgment on them, yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of His kindness? In, the, in some versions, it's goodness. So those two words are really synonymous there. Do you show contempt for the riches of His kindness, His goodness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness, God's goodness, leads you towards repentance? Woo! And we talked about this last Sunday. Two words that I'm guessing many of you never put together. Goodness and repentance. Because many of us have grown up with images of repent equals angry, wrath, hell. People waving signs, people yelling on street corners, repent, repent, right? And so many of us have this really, if you're honest, when I say the word repent, how many of you go, yeah, I love that word? No takers. But, but look what, what it says here. God's kindness, God's goodness leads you to repentance. God's goodness? I thought it was God's anger. I thought it was turn or burn or else. I thought that was why I was supposed to repent. I thought I was supposed to get scared into heaven. I thought that was the basic. What? Not realizing, see verse 4, or do you, do you show contempt? Do you look down upon 
the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing, not realizing, okay, they're just, they're just ignorant of the fact, not realizing that God's kindness, God's goodness leads you to repentance. Wow! If we can just chew on that fact, that in God's goodness, He desires you to repent, some of us, quite frankly, would get unstuck in your faith. Because right now, here's what happens. When we get to a level of goodness, however you want to define that, what happens, what happens, Scott, if you, you, you know, you play guitar, you serve faithfully, so you're good, right? You're, you're good. So in your life, everything is good. Church is good. Everything has got in its compartment. And I said, Scott, are you good? You say, I'm good. So what happens if in Scott's view of himself, even as a Christian, he's good, along comes Pastor Richie and says, Hey, Scott, you know that one area? Because you think you're fooling everybody. You know. And so, and so, you know, it's on my heart to help you with that one area. What happens if he thinks he's good? Do you think he's going to embrace He's going to resent me. What are you talking about? What do you mean? Legalist? Right? If we perceive that we're good already, even if someone's coming with the right heart and right attitude because we don't understand in God's goodness, He still wants you to live a life of repentance and He'll bring people in your life and He'll speak to you through the Word, which is designed to continue that process of repentance. If we're good, you know what? We, we shut down. And anyone who comes to speak truth to us, even with the right heart, not condemnation, but true love, we get defensive. We don't want anything to do. And we open the directory to see where the next church is. Because <laughs> they just want to mess, they, they just want to ruin my life over there. They teach the Bible and they expect us to listen to it. <laughs> We're good. I'm good. What does he want? I bring my Bible. He actually wants me to read it at home and do it? I mean, right? See, if, if, if we've defined ourselves as good, anyone who comes in to touch your good world is a threat. Anyone who comes to touch your good world is a thorn. Because we're messing with your kingdom. Right? And, and we have to be very careful. How do you view repentance? Does God bring people and does He speak to you through His Word out of His goodness? We talked about the mirror. How many of you looked in the mirror today? Before you got here? Anyone? Oh, come on now. I know you all looked in the mirror. Okay, here we go again. Because this, this, is, this, is, this is really it. How, what did your mirror say to you today? What did your mirror say to you this morning? You need to brush your teeth because your mirror smells your breath. <laughs> no, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> oh, it's foggy. <laughs> okay. Brush your teeth. Wash your face. What else did your mirror say? What did your mirror say to you today? You look good. Okay. <laughs> okay, who wants to buy that mirror? They'll be on sale. They're on sale. Amazon. <laughs> Got a sale on. 
Okay. We all looked in mirrors. Our mirror said, wash your face, comb your hair. What happened? Right? How many of you listened to your mirror today? How many listened to your mirror? Looking around, I'm guessing everybody in here, Ernie, I'm not guessing you went to sleep looking that good, and you, and you woke up, the mirror said a few things, and you listened. How many of you resent your mirrors? No, no, no. Not what the mirror says, <laughs> but the mirror itself. How many of you are thankful for a mirror? How many of you are thankful for reflections in cars? Big windows at the mall. We're thank- How many are thankful for a mirror? We're thankful for the mirror because it is designed for our good. Huh? God's goodness leads us to repentance. It's, the same. it's for our good. We have to learn to see repentance in a good way. We've got to see God speaking truth to us through His Word in a good way. When, when, we, when, we, when we go out and we've, we've spent time in the mirror and we get this far away from the mirror and then you get the, tiny, the 25 magnification. Who needs to magnify themselves 25 times? Right? Down to the detail. It's amazing. You ever see those mirrors? Right? There's the normal one and you flip it and all you see is your eyeball. It's like, ah! That, oh, it's for people who can... Okay, okay. But what's amazing, they magnify it and then they still get real close. I'm like, we use our mirrors down to the detail. Down to the detail like stuff that nobody notices but you. That one eyebrow that's just sticking out. I'm like, what are you doing? Nobody sees that, but I do. But I do, right? And so we embrace magnification and we get down to the detail, the nitty gritty, so that when we leave the house, we feel good, right? Let's get down to the nitty gritty. Let's get down to the nitty gritty so that when we leave the house, we're good. We feel good because God, through the mirror of His Word, is just revealing things in our lives. And when He reveals it in His goodness, He's leading us to that R word, repentance. Repentance. So, so what, is, what is repentance? Look on your notes. We're going to spend some time. We're just going to layer this over the next few weeks. Uh, what isn't it? It is not primarily focused on remorse. I feel really guilty about what I did. Matthew 27.3 When Judas, who, was bet- who betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse and returned the silver coins to the chief priests and elders. Right? So Judas felt really bad. But that was a worldly sorrow, remorse that led him to hang himself. Right? So repentance is not just feeling guilty or bad. Okay? What else? Biblical repentance is not primarily focused on regret. I feel really bad about the consequences of my actions. That's not repent. That's not, that's not what it means to repent. Right? I love, this, I love this quote by Billy Graham. If your sorrow is because of certain consequences that have come on your family because of your sin, this is remorse, not true repentance. If, on the other hand, you are grieved because you also sinned against God and His holy laws, then you're on the right road. Okay? So repentance is not remorse. It's not just regret. Right? 
resolutions. I'm going to try really hard. That's it. It's New Year's coming up. I'm going to sin. It's November 8th. i got almost two months left. Because January 1st, I'm giving it up. It's a resolution because I'm repenting, right? Wink, wink. Right? Restitution. I'm going to make up for what I did. I'm just going to be really good and I'm going to give more and I'm going to do all these good things to balance the scales. That's not repentance either. Reformation. I just got to clean up my life. A lot of us, when, when we heard the word repent, we think that means clean up your life before you come to Christ. Repent, you sinner. You mean I got to clean up my life first? I can't do that. That's impossible. You know, I, I've had people come uh, or, or tell me that they can't come visit here because they're afraid that they're going to be struck by lightning when they come through the door. Like, appreciate your honesty, biblically incorrect. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're afraid. They think they have to clean up their life. And they're so bad that they can't even come to a church service. Because they don't understand repentance. It's not reformation. It's none of those, right? Here it is in your notes. The definition of biblical repentance, to have another mind, to have a change of mind upon reflection. What? To repent, really? It's just to change your mind. Just to change your mind. Have a change of mind. Not all that other stuff. But what about all the feelings I have? There, there's godly sorrow. In fact, in Second Corinthians, Paul wrote a letter to the church, called them out on stuff. Called them out straight out. And you know what he says? Hey, your godly sorrow led you to repentance. So there's godly sorrow, which God brings upon you. Conviction of the Holy Spirit says, oh, Lord, I've grieved you. Okay, I've got to get right. That's a godly sorrow that leads you to repentance, okay? So there is emotion involved. But primarily, biblical repentance is to have another mind, to change your mind, right? I, I've had two people in my life through uh, uh, college years. One of them said to me straight up, I don't need God. Conversation came up, and he just point blank said, I don't need God. Period. End of story. Right? Another guy I brought to a Bible study, sat through the whole Bible study, sat through the whole gospel, even went to the back room, the the counseling room with me, sat down, the whole thing. I said, okay, so where are you at with this? He goes, one problem. I don't sin. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to give him the benefit. Where where is he at? He's He's one of the super nicest guys you'll ever meet. Super nice guy. And in his mind, sin was the biggies. Murder, steal, right? If you grew up a moral person, why are we offended when people call us sinners according to Scripture? All have sinned. I don't sin. What are you talking about? I'm a good moral guy. I take care of my family. I go to work. I don't cheat on my taxes. I'm a, I don't sin. See, in both of those cases, I don't need God. I don't sin. You're not going to get any further with them until they have a change of mind. See, many of you have faithfully shared the gospel with people, right? And you've shared, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Jesus Christ, Lamb of God who takes us. You share it all. We're saved by grace through faith. Only to have someone go, hmm, thanks, but no thanks. What's necessary? What's missing? Repentance. They need to have a change of mind regarding their status of sin, regarding God, regarding Jesus. That's repentance. 
at the salvation level. Okay? That's what, that's what's happening there. Question. Is repentance only for the unsaved? No, right? But many of us thought, oh yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I repented 20 years ago and became a Christian. One and done. No. Repentance. We are called to repent continually. Repentance. The word repent for you and me within the church, it should be a very familiar word. We should be very comfortable with it. Because we're called to do it continually. In fact, let me, let me show you. Look in um, Matthew 3. Let's go there. Matthew 3. Matthew 3, verse 1. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Right? Turn to Matthew 4.17. From that time on, Jesus began to preach. Now it's Jesus. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, in the original language, you know, I'm going to get all technical. The verb tenses are very important if you know Greek. Greek is such a rich language that one word has so much behind it, right? The verb tense, it's something called a present imperative of that word repent. When it says repent, the way it's written in the original language in the verb tense means continually as a lifestyle. See, my guess is many of us read those two scriptures for that time and that place for those sinners. But when John the Baptist and Jesus were saying repent, in the verb tense, it meant continually as a lifestyle. So what do you mean? What do you mean as a believer, I'm supposed to continually repent? Well, it's not a salvation issue. Right? It's not, it's not continually going back and professing your faith in Christ. That was our, You already changed your mind about who Jesus was. When you got saved, Jesus, okay, I recognize that I am a sinner. Jesus, I recognize I am saved by grace through faith in you as as the Savior and the Lamb of God. You made a change of mind. You put your faith in Jesus. Amen? Okay, so you had a moment of repentance at conversion. As a believer, as you walk with Jesus, we are to continually repent, which means we are continually have a change of mind about our walk and the things in our life. That is what it means to have a repentant lifestyle. A lifestyle of repentance. A continuous one. Turn to Revelation. We looked at this last week. A really good church doing really good things. And yet Jesus told them to do what? Repent! A good church was called to repent. I read this as a pastor from a pastor's perspective. And oh man, I was fired up this week. Because I'm like, I know this pastor in Ephesus, he would probably work in 70, 80 hours a week. Devoted his life to pouring into the people, making sure the doctrine was right, making sure they were persevering under hardship, making sure they were working hard. And along comes Jesus and says to repent. 
What's he talking about? Don't you see all the good we're doing? We're a good church. You see? I read this. Look at, look at Revelation 2. Verse, uh, let's start in verse 1. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, your perseverance, your potlucks, right? I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false, right? You're, you are straight on doctrinally. You have persevered and have endured hardships. For my name, right? This is Jesus. Hey, you guys are hanging in there with me. You've been persecuted. You've not grown weary. Lots of good at this church. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. Ah! I read that as a pastor and I was like, are you kidding me? How would I feel if Jesus came to me and said, hey, Pastor Richie, LBCF, rock on. But you need to repent. What? It, uh, I, 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 wanted to, I wanted to live that as the pastor of the church of Ephesus with Jesus himself saying, hey, pastor, way to go, but repent. I mean, what, what, what would you do in your life? Hey, good job. Diana, good job. You've done great walking with the Lord all these years, lots of changes. Hey, but Diana, you need to repent. And it's funny because when I say, Diana, you need to repent, this, all, this group goes, what'd she do? <laughs> right? It's this weird word, like this stigma. Like, hey, man, you really need to repent. Everyone just goes, whoop. You know, it's like, no, the truth is, who in here needs to repent? Continuously. Because we're all to be renewing our mind. Romans 12:2. be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may know His will. Repentance is a change of mind. And so as we go through the goodness of our life and all the good things, we always have to say, Lord, is there something I'm not seeing? Do I have a blind side? And if I do, would you call me out in your goodness and call me to repent? Would you call me to repent in it? And this is where I just, I'm just going to layer it right there because this, this, this is a biggie, guys. This, this is where pastorally, I'm just going to share my heart with you. This is this my heart. This is, I mean, I've always dreamed of being able to preach repentance. I mean, <laughs> right? You're like, are they coming back? <laughs> you know what I mean? Here's the deal. We love you so much. And all we want you to do is get to a place where you live your life like this and you say, Lord, if there's something that's not right between me and you, would you speak to me through your word and would you bring people in my life that would call me to repent? In your goodness, would you please do that? Would you please do that? Would you ask? You, how many of us would get to the place of asking for God to call us to repentance? Right? And here's the thing, guys. The challenge is, it's often things that aren't bad in and of themselves. They're, they're technically good things. Nothing wrong with them things, right? We'll close with this. Turn to 1 Corinthians 6. And I'm just going to kind of give you this, and I want you to, to pray about it and, and really allow this whole idea of repentance and biblical repentance and pursuing it as a believer. 1 Corinthians 6, look at this verse here. All right. 
1 Corinthians 6.12, the Apostle Paul is speaking to the church at Corinth. They had used a common phrase in that culture and had taken license with it to kind of do what they wanted to do. And they were misusing the freedom in Christ as a license to sin. So he's calling them out, guys. He's calling them out. Look what he says in 1 Corinthians 12. Here's what they would say. Hey, everything is permissible for me. I'm free in Christ. But not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me. But I will not be mastered by anything. Okay, guys, here's a question. For those of us who have been walking with the Lord and we're kind of at a level of goodness, are there things in your life or are you willing to have God speak truth to your life that some of the things in your life are not beneficial for you? That some of the things in your life have actually mastered you, but you just call them a habit or you just call them that that's just me. But you've been mastered by something. And, and let, me get, let me get very real here. Just in this example. Speaking to a 21-year-old regarding social media. And, and, and to get to this place of, Lord, where does this social media thing fit? All the time on Facebook. All the time on Instagram. Is that beneficial for me? Am I being mastered by it? Is this helping my faith? Is this helping my walk, Lord? Very real struggle. Very real. And I just love getting to that place of asking if social media is okay. It's not bad in and of itself. In fact, it was used for good in getting Brady's memorial word out. But this person comes to the place in their life where like, Lord, is this beneficial? Lord, is this, am I mastered by this? And this person was obedient and said, and felt the Lord said, yeah, delete your account. Yeah, take it off your phone. And you know what happened? Whole avenue of life opened up. Because all that time and all that effort and all that energy expended into social media went this way. Went this way. Didn't know it was going to go that way. Just knew that there was, there was a conviction and there was a step of obedience now. And in doing it, boom! All this time and energy going this way. What was that? Repentance. In God's goodness, said, hey, let's talk about this social media thing. Is it really beneficial? And through the stirring and prayer, life change. Life change. How many of you have ever heard of, of the Christian walk? Called as a walk. Christian faith is a walk. Well, here's the thing. When you came to know the Lord... You, you had a moment of repentance. You changed your mind. God sent Jesus. And you exercised faith in Christ alone. Amen? Well, here's how you walk as a believer. Repentance is a change of mind, right? So as a believer, you bring your whole life before the Lord. He shows you something that's not in accord with His will. And you repent. You take a step of repentance. You change your mind. Social media. Okay, I get it. I'm changing my mind. It's not beneficial for me. Now... Same thing. 
faith. Okay, I'm taking it off my phone. Okay, I can't go there. Okay, Lord, anything else in my life? Yeah, you know that, that, that habitual lying that you sort of say it's just you? Well, my, my word says do not lie. Oh, lying, lying, lying. Okay, I got to repent. I got to get my, I got to change my mind regarding lying. I got to get, okay, repent. Okay, Lord, you know, I always kind of lie at work and I always fudge the books. And I, Okay, by faith, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be in, a person of integrity. Faith. You see? As believers, we walk in repentance and faith one step at a time. We read God's Word. We pray. We seek counsel to get the mind of God. And when He shows it, you exercise faith in the power of the Holy Spirit. And soon you'll be walking right there. That's on one. St- you know that song, right? One step in f- one foot in front of the other, right? If you're from that generation, right? Put one foot in front of the other, and soon you'll be walking out the door, right? Repentance, faith. Change your mind. Apply it. That's what we do. You did it when you were saved. Now God just calls us to do it continuously. Amen? All right, let's pray together. Father, thank You that in Your goodness You lead us to repentance. Lord, such freedom to, to receive correction, to receive truth spoken in love because in Your goodness You want us to simply change our mind, to be in accord with Your mind. And then, by faith in the power of the Holy Spirit to bring application and to make life-changing decisions in faith and obedience as a result of our changed mind. And so, Lord, maybe this morning we start with, Lord, I confess that um, I've just been good. And I've kind of settled for good. And so, Father, I ask You to forgive me. And, and Lord, I want to repent of, of that mindset. And I want to have Your mind again that, that, that says You are conforming me to the image of Jesus, not just goodness. And so, Lord, I repent of that attitude of, of just complacency and apathy and And Lord, this morning, if there's other areas in my life, whether it's social media, whether it's a habitual sin, whether it's whatever, in your goodness, would you speak truth so that I can repent of these areas as well? And would you surround me with brothers and sisters in Christ who would love me and shepherd me on that journey? We could do it together. If you are here this morning as a believer and God is just speaking to your heart that yeah, you need to get right just in the understanding of repentance and and you just need to be more open and willing to receive God's goodness even if it leads to repentance 
if that's you and say, Lord, change my heart, change my mind in this area, why don't you put your hand up so I can pray for you? just need to be more open to repentance, more open to receiving correction and, and, and desirous of making change. Lord, I thank you for those. And I pray you would honor them. That you would remind all of us that it is your goodness that leads us to repentance. Your goodness. And as we prepare for communion, what, what better way to be reminded of your goodness and love than Jesus Christ dying for us while we were yet sinners. And many of us, we exercise repentance. We changed our mind regarding Jesus. He wasn't just a moral teacher. He became Lord and Savior. We made that change. And we put our faith in Him alone for salvation. We, we, we have repented and we have exercised faith. And so in this time of communion, we remember that. And as we come forward and as we take a walk forward, to get the communion cups perhaps this morning it's a walk that reminds us that it's a daily walk of repentance and faith repentance and faith until we get to heaven and so Lord we give you this time of communion this time of repentance in Jesus name Amen let's give you a word of encouragement person that made that decision regarding social media made some really good decisions had a conversation just a day or two ago and said you know what here's a challenge I went back anyone ever have that two steps forward one step back faith's continuous I said it's okay see take two steps forward in repentance and faith oh the old person took a step back but I recognize it, right? The cat, see now, you recognize it, and what do you do again? Change your mind again and start again. So it's not a one-off. Even if you make a profound decision in one area, you, it's okay if you come back. Just repent. You see it? You see that? Do you see it? That's the walk. That's the journey. That's the abundant life Christ has for us. Because it's all in His goodness with no condemnation. Amen? Let's stand together and let's pray. Father, thank You again for Your goodness. Thank You for Your grace. And now, Lord, as we leave here, Lord, we yield the rest of the day into Your hands. Would You lead us and guide us? We again pray for the Bondsworth family that this afternoon would be a wonderful celebration of Brady's life and and of just of the body of Christ gathering. And so, Lord, we love You and uh, just help us to walk in this repentance and faith through the power of the Holy Spirit.